Good afternoon, and you're listening to Mia and Paul from the Power Up Show. Welcome. As you all know, this is our first show. We're very excited to be with you all today. Uh, and it's Happy Chinese New Year to all our listeners. So I hope that you're spending your time with your family. And Paul, what's on the agenda for today? Well, first of all, good afternoon, Mia. Good afternoon, everybody. And on our agenda today, uh, we're going to have a Q&A, and it's taking uh, questions that have come through from our social media accounts. Um, that we're then going to have a section about uh, what uh, what, what uh, Mia has learned from reality TV. I'm, I'm so daggy. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to that one because that's a complete surprise to me and uh, I'm, uh, that'll, that'll be fun. Then uh, first, next, uh, I'm going to be talking a little bit about um, a piece of uh, research that I've come across recently called um, Unlocking the, the um, Code for High-Performing Businesses and Sharing uh, Some of That Information Through through our Listeners and uh, Mia, I know, will quiz me on that one as she's done before as well. Uh, and then finally, uh, we're going to talk a little about 2019 and the topics that we're covering over the next few weeks. Uh, we've got a fantastic lineup of guests um, that uh, we're not we're just only throughout this month for next month as well and uh, we're going to be talking about some of the, the topics we're going to be covering there okay right this is the power up show with Mia and Paul on a live 90.5 and you're back with Mia and Paul for the power up show asking you how can we take your business to the next level and as always Paul and I have all our social media and pipes available to you where you can ask us questions and that's something the two of us have had going for some time now so in order to reach us, you can get hold of us via email at mia at alive905.com.au or you can catch us on our LinkedIn profiles, Paul Cripps or Mia Van Tuberg, or hey, search us on Facebook. We are around. So, Paul, you've had some time going through our social media to see what kind of questions are out there. What do you have for us this mm, week? Yeah, so I have a few uh, questions for us this afternoon. Um, so the first one uh, came through from uh, Keith in, uh, in Penrith. Uh, and Keith asked the question, is there such a thing? as a standard business plan Hmm, that's an interesting one because I would like to think there is a shortcut but I believe all people are different. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think I think they are. I think, look, I mean, you could always say that there is some some standard items that should always be on the business plan. I think uh, I'd even go to part to say that sometimes, uh, you know, it can be something which can be overlooked as well in terms of, uh, you know, it's, uh, I do come across businesses that don't have a business plan in place. And, uh, you know, there's, uh, there's always a very strong recommendation that uh, if they don't have a plan in place, um, they're not they're not going to be in a great, uh, great space themselves. Um, but, uh, you know, in terms of one size fits all, uh, one size doesn't fit all. It depends on the type of business. I was going to say that. We all do such different things. So to answer your question, no, there's no such thing as a standard business plan. You need to tailor it to suit yourself, yeah? Mm, yeah, what's it? And I think probably I would say to, to help Keith a bit more there, I would say that um, I have a view there that there's certain things that should should be on there. Um, you know, obviously there needs to be, uh, you know, financials on there, what their sales and marketing plan is going to be, uh, depending on the size of business, what plan they have in terms of uh, in terms of people. Um, so I would say there's, there's some of the key elements I would say that should be in there, um, but it is a very much would vary from from what type of business and how big that business is and what market they're operating. Beautiful. Uh, second question uh, comes through from uh, Miranda, who's in Liverpool, and uh, her question, which I think is a very good one: um, How do you achieve a work life balance? Oh, Miranda, Miranda, Miranda! Don't I just love this question? Because for me, Paul, I'm not sure what it's like for you. But for the longest time, I had to make that decision. Do I go to work or do I go watch my son at his Easter hat parade? It is such a difficult balance to find. What are your thoughts, Paul? Yeah, look, it is. And, uh, I mean, I've got my own thoughts, but also I think some of the things I've heard over the years as well. Uh, I remember a few years ago, I, I came across, um, you know, probably from a few different directions, people that say there's no such thing as a work-life balance. Um, and uh, maybe it's about a work-life strategy. Now, I tend to think that was just a little bit of spin more than anything else as I, as <laughs> Why I, as you? I 
like to say. Small words where we can use big words. Well, yeah, <laughs> let's try and see if we can take it a different direction. Um, look, I think in terms of, uh, I would I, look, I have uh, seen people that have actually uh, managed uh, to succeed there. Um, I think sometimes it's a very, very difficult one. Um, it's, uh, I think it's just being very true to yourself in some of the key things that uh, you should really have in place. And, um, and sometimes you have to make some difficult decisions. Uh, sometimes you have to think, yeah, no, I need to attend um, this particular event for, for my child. Um, and, uh, and that's something I need to build into my, uh, my, my work schedule. And uh, look, I, I certainly find that um, you know, employers uh, are increasingly, um, uh, you know, basically under pressure to be more flexible uh, with people in the workforce. Uh, and, that's, and that's a good thing because, uh, generally speaking, if employers are more flexible, then um, people are happier in their work. And Miranda, I think that's a very good point Paul just raised now is, if you're at a position where, and I imagine, and I can't be 100% sure that this question is coming off the bat that you've got a kindergarten child starting school, you need to have an open discussion with employees because, Paul, as you mentioned, employees are more open to the idea of a flexible workspace. So how do you find a work-life balance? Been in business for a oh, couple of years. <laughs> And I'm only now getting to that point where I've got it. Mm, absolutely right. I think, uh, look, I just want one thing that just came to me to mind there as well. And, uh, you know, I was actually doing a presentation to, to, to a client yesterday. And uh, one of the things that's very common um, from people of all seats from different generations is uh, in terms of their satisfiers in the workplace. One common thing from people that are really Gen Z uh, through to boomers is that uh, this uh, presentation with yesterday, which gets, came from some research, talked about actually flexibility in working arrangement is a key satisfier for people in the workplace um, so it isn't something that's going away uh, it's something mm -hmm. that uh, people from boomers through to Gen Z um, are looking for and uh, and I doubt that we've ever had that situation in the workplace before Beautiful. And I think we've got time for one more question, Paul. Do you have anything else? We there? have indeed, yes. Um, this one comes uh, from Paul in Kellyville. And is there such a thing as luck <laughs> in business? <laughs> Paul from Kellyville, would you be sitting opposite me right now? Possibly, yes. <laughs> oh, Paul, that's such a great question. And I think many of us have heard the statement, you don't have luck, you make your luck. And I fully believe in that statement. You need to be sowing the seeds every single day for your success. And I like to think of success as the seasons, the, the season cycle. So mm. we sow in spring, we reap in summer, we prepare in autumn and we let everything just sit down, I think, in winter. So we've got to be re we've got to be preparing. We've got to be sowing the seeds. What are you doing every single day? And 90% is preparation. Uh, 5% is execution and I would say 5% is luck now that's a very small percentage that mm. is luck absolutely right absolutely right no that's good advice uh, thank you Mir um, <laughs> I will bring more of my questions in the future um, <laughs> so everybody after the break uh, we, uh, we're going to hear from Mir and uh, I'd love to hear Mir in terms of uh, what you've learned from uh, the reality TV show you always amaze me with these uh, facts <laughs> about where you get them from and how you make some great linkages with uh, reality TV um, you're listening to the Power Up show on Alive 90.5 with Mir and Paul I've been watching I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. So, <laughs> I know, I know. I like, you, you, you could, can you see my raised eyebrows yeah, there? Yeah, I did. About that one? I yeah. did. It's a good thing about radio and not on TV. Uh -huh. So <laughs> the complete disdain in Paul's face. But <laughs> I wanted to share with you was something I noticed uh, at the beginning of this week or it might even have been last week. Do you remember, or I mean, it's still on TV now, a show called The Bold and the Beautiful? You don't have to give away your age, Paul. <laughs> um, uh, I'm going to uh, so I'm not going to give away my age it might just give away the country where I was brought up in but I'm sure it was on at some uh, some stage of, uh, of my life 
Yes, and I used to rush home from school to watch The Bold and the Beautiful. And one of the contestants on the reality show, I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here, was Catherine Kelly Lang, who you would know as Brooke. And man, is she gorgeous. She has aged so well. I'm just in awe of this woman. But what jumped out at me was that she came into the jungle, I think, two weeks after everybody else. And when she came in, you know, Paul, she knew everybody's name. Mm. She made a point of going up to everybody, mentioning their name. She made a point of saying something about them that she had seen on the show or she had found out about them. Now, instantly, almost automatically, whatever your preconceived ideas are of who this person is, of what her background is, is she going to be a snob because she's a Hollywood star? Is she Mm. going to be embracing and accepting All of those preconceived notions, I think, just melted away because she created such a personal connection. And I thought about that in some of the meetings that I've attended in some big corporate organizations. When a CEO walks in the room, and there's two types of CEOs. There's that CEO that walks in the room who he walks past people, he nods his head, he waves, he shakes hands, but there's no personality to him. He doesn't know your name. And then there's that CEO who walks into the room and he knows exactly who you are and he mentions you by name and he greets you by name and he asks you about your wife. And it goes back to that high performance culture within an organization. Whether you are a solo entrepreneur and it's just you running your business or whether you've got 10 employees or 100, 1,000 employees, that culture of knowing people on a personal basis. People don't buy what you do. They buy why you do it. Would you agree with that? I totally agree. And because I had no idea where he was going with that, <laughs> I was thinking of all sorts of different directions. He started talking through that. but uh, I know no sentence could start with, guess what I learned from reality TV. Yeah, no, that's week. right. Exactly. Right. And, I, and I love the aspect that we never rehearse this bit. Just like, it completely catches me by surprise. So you just get me off, off the hook. But uh, no, it's fantastic. I think that, um, look, you're absolutely right. And certainly, uh, you know, my view is that, uh, uh, well, obviously, there's always a case of the the leader sets a tone within any business of, of any size. Um, and if that leader is someone that uh, finds a way of, of connecting with as many people as they can, um, that's a great way to a, a very great, very basic thing to start of um, start a good culture in a business without any doubt. And, um, and look, having a good having a good culture is a is a massive key to the success of the business, and one that I find that uh, is often generally either overlooked or highly underrated. And it's Um, not so difficult to actually create that good culture because if I'm the kind of person who knows your name and has a quick chat about your family and, for example, you are an admin person who might be... Uh, answering the phones you're going to answer the phone with Mm. enthusiasm and passion Mm. because Mm. you know that you are appreciated Mm. you Mm. know that Mm. you are known you're not just Mm. a voice on the other side of the phone Mm. and Mm. as a client I'm going to pick up the phone and I'm going to hear that enthusiasm and it really it just doesn't take much to start engendering a culture of appreciation for who you're working for and that sort of snowballs into higher productivity higher profitability Yep. Absolutely right. And look, as, I, as you're talking there, I'm thinking of some a real life example. If you don't mind, I'm going to share in terms of even what I saw what? last There's week. There's life outside of reality There's TV. life outside of reality TV. <laughs> it's a real life example in a business that I'm working for at the moment. Um, talking to a, a few people in this business, um, you know, last week the Fair News Company. They've been in the company, um, you know, less than less than six months, and uh, and having having that chat to them. One of the things they really liked was was the culture in the business, and one of the things they came out with was they liked the fact that the CEO in this business, and it's not a huge business, the business is only about fifty 
people. Um, but he knows everybody and connects everybody with personally. Um, and not only that, um, that comes across in the way they answer their calls. Um, when they basically have a lot of calls coming through, because it's a contact centre, um, he actually picks up the phone himself as well and actually leads by example when they're having a really bad day to try and pick up. Now, not every CEO is going to be able to do that. Um, but uh, certainly yeah, there's going to be ways of people in larger businesses of taking some of that ethos out there as well. Um, yeah, first of all, to actually get to have that connection with people. Um, and then when it's uh, tough, acknowledging that it's tough and, uh, and here's a way I can help out. And I know a large organisations will spend a fortune on trying to get that culture right. So as a small business owner, it doesn't take much. Just Absolutely. make an effort to know who's working for you. You don't have to spend 20 minutes finding out about their family, but just, you know, hi, Paul, how's Mary, whatever the case is, just yep. having that quick interaction makes the world of difference. Absolutely, and simple things sometimes can uh, can really help. So, look, Mia, thank you for sharing that. I had no idea where you're going. That, <laughs> that was fantastic. Um, I'll try and get my own back on you very soon on that sort of stuff as well. Um, okay, everybody, uh, you're listening to the Power Up show with uh, with Mia and Paul on Live night. 90.5 and uh, when we kind of come back um, I'm going to show you some research with you um, which actually in some ways is a good dovetail of what we've just been talking about. Um, I'm going to be talking about some research which is based on unlocking the code for high performing businesses. And you are listening to a live 90.5. You're with Mia and Paul on the Power Up show and Paul you mentioned to me the other day that you found an interesting research paper about building high performance team and I was very quick to say to you, do not tell me about it. I want to hear about it on air because it's something that we are very, very passionate about. So what was the research that you found? Yeah, sure. Thank you, Mia. Um, yeah, so the, uh, the white paper that I have uh, have is uh, called Unlocking the Code for High-Performing Businesses. Um, and uh, this research comes from the HR Coach um, Australia Asia Institute. Uh, they have a research arm as part of that, uh, that group. Um, and it's a group that I'm a licensed uh, member of. And uh, what it's uh, actually done is actually looked at... Uh, data that uh, has been gathered um, over the past uh, 10 years um, from over 700 different uh, um, Australasian organisations. Uh, I sometimes just say Australian because I think uh, <laughs> it is mostly Australia and just a few that uh, within uh, within New Zealand. Um, but what I like about this is that it's um, it, it's local it's local research and it's uh, it's research that's relevant to Australia. Um, what I find, and this may sound strange for for someone that uh, has an accent from from the outside Australia to say, um, but um, we often get uh, research that comes through and. Um, uh, and best practice views that come through from uh, particularly from the, from the US and, and the UK, um, which is all very good and good good to good to look at and good to uh, be inspired by. Um, but this is based on um, you know based on a research that's uh, been being been conducted uh, locally. And so, what is the what is the research telling us? Yeah, so what it really does is it, it really looks at uh, a number of different areas. And one of the things that uh, it, it came across in terms of um, low and high performing businesses, it actually identified basically uh, five uh, key areas where there was a gap of more than fifty percent in terms of um, uh, you know, scores that came out of a survey called uh, Star Workplace. And um, for, so, between the difference between low and high performing uh, businesses, there was a gap of um, uh, more than fifty percent between low. And high-performing businesses in five particular areas. And those those areas uh, were around about uh, these five areas. So the efficiency of the management team was one. Having a varied culture within the business uh, was number two. The third one was effective employee feedback. The fourth one was uh, managing employee expectations of their role. And the final one, a fifth and final one, was individual accountability, including employee productivity measures. So let's just talk a little bit about those five points and the one that i wanted to to touch on i think it was the fourth one mm, mm. 
So that's uh, managing employee expectations yeah. of their role. Yes, exactly right. And that's uh, that very much is about uh, making it clear to an employee in terms of uh, what is actually expected. And that sounds all very basic, doesn't it? And um, it is, because when we talk about this research, these research papers, there's an... A significant amount of investment that goes into these research papers and there's a significant amount of investment that goes in into big industry and big corporations to ensure this high performance. So it's interesting that, I mean, this is a point that small business can jump on at absolutely zero cost. Absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. And can start implementing effectively. So managing employees, mm-hmm. uh and, and, and their expectations of the role. Absolutely right. And I think uh, the, the key, I think, to this, though, is also uh, for businesses to actually work out, okay, so what particularly do they need their, their people to be doing? Um, and that comes back to uh, yeah, what I call complete basics of making sure there's actually um, you know, a defined um, description of what that person's role um, is, actually, is actually doing within that business. And it sounds so simple. What is your defined role? But the reality is I think a lot of small business, because we are small business and we wear many hats we mm. create a role for somebody and before we know it we're starting to take on additional responsibilities so the Absolutely. expectation seems to move mm. but we don't acknowledge Correct. what we're yeah. asking what we're asking people to do yeah? absolutely right and certainly you know, what, what I find as well is that uh, in small business you come across people that basically their roles have become a bit uh, a bit hybrid in terms of their employer for one thing and there's been a shift in, in focus of the role and it's important about um, you know, for businesses to actually acknowledge that and that may be something which is sustainable for a period of time but it could come a point in time where that person's role needs to needs to completely change and the key other thing there as well is that uh, you know is that for employees to have actually roles that are very much aligned um, to the purpose of that business. So there's no point in having a role there um, that with the employee in a particular role where they can't feel connected to what the business is about. And I, I talk a lot about having strategic alignment between you know, actions of employees and the strategy of the business. Um, but that really underpins this research in a big way as well. And I think the, the point to note that is a hybrid role, which is what you just spoke about for an employee, it doesn't necessarily mean that your employee is going to be happy because sometimes an employer thinks that they're giving additional responsibilities to someone and, wow, of course you're going to be grateful. Yay, look at you. I'm asking mm. you to, I don't know, take mm. on, for example, the finance role. But that person, it's just not in their DNA. It's not something that they want to do. They may be good at it. They mm. may excel at it. And mm. that is then mistaken for the fact that they are enjoying their role. And that, in my opinion, is one of the fastest ways you're going to get an employee to walk out your door because you've now moved them far away from what they enjoy doing. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. And uh, I think it's important to uh, to think about uh, if employees' roles change in terms of is it something they're actually interested in doing as well. Um, so having those conversations with people uh, rather than just having an expectation they'll just pick up new work is absolutely key to make sure this, um, this succeeds. So as a small business owner, my advice would be have a discussion with your employees. Make sure that what you employed them for is what they're currently doing. And if it has become a hybrid role, possibly have a discussion to see if they're enjoying it and then change what their role is to acknowledge where they are now and of course make sure you have the right person who is buying into your culture who represents who you are as a business 
absolutely right. And that's going to our well point. So we might take a break now um, and then we'll come back and we'll share a bit more. You're listening to a, the Power Up Show with Mia and Paul on a live 90.5. And you are listening to Mia and Paul on the Power Up Show on a live 90.5. And before we go into the news, Paul, just wanted to quickly touch base on what we said before we went into the break, the five points and perhaps a few solutions you have for small industry mm, that sure. they can implement immediately to get that high performance. Uh, that's not going to cost them a fortune. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. And I think, uh, look, it's fair to say that uh, yeah, one size doesn't doesn't fit all. So I guess what I'm going to talk about really probably are some some solutions that uh, that can work for uh, for small to medium sized businesses. Uh, we talked a little bit earlier, obviously, about the, on the point about um, you know managing employee expectations of, of their role. So I think we've talked a little bit about that point there. Um, I'm going to talk a bit about some of the, the to mention the other four points again and some solutions that can work. Um, one of them is about having um, an efficient and effective management team, um, and certainly, obviously, that's a key thing to make sure the management team are working effectively together um, as a team. And the thing to understand is if you don't have a management team, that you have a group of individuals working together as a team. Absolutely right. And I mean, some businesses I've worked with, um, you know, I've even just perhaps had the management team has, has sometimes been two, two people, um, so they're being the people that are core. And, and, look, you know, and I guess the bigger the business is, the more important this actually is, because uh, if I think about, uh, you know, even back in the corporate world, when you have uh, fractions within a management team, everything else seems to uh, seems to topple over there. And now so I'm taking back to reality TV now. Yeah, so for small business, the solution is to make sure that you work together as a team. If there's only one manager but a group of five individuals, be on the same page. Absolutely right, absolutely right. And look, um, I think there is, um, you know, it's a statement there. There obviously are tools that are out there that can help uh, help businesses with that. Um, one that we're both familiar with is, is DISC, and that would be a good way to help people to understand each other uh, and can be a very good uh, and helpful solution to um, to help businesses uh, have more aligned uh, management teams. Um, and certainly, uh, you know, it's something that also you know, is not at a huge cost as well to businesses. Beautiful. Yep. Um, the next point was about uh, having a consistent culture uh, throughout throughout the businesses, and um, and that sometimes can be a can, can be a tricky one. Depend on uh, how many sites, how many how many sites uh, a particular business has. Um, but equally, if it's just on one site, it can also uh, yeah, it can also be an issue as well. And that uh, and I think it's important because obviously we talked about culture a bit earlier on as well. And culture is an absolute key ingredient um, to get right. And, and for a business owner with only a few people within an organisation, lead by example lead on the front foot absolutely right you got into business for a reason what was that reason and if is every day resembling exactly why you do what you do or have you moved away from that absolutely right and I think it's important that uh, the business owners um, and, and leaders basically look in the mirror um, and because they actually need to actually um, you know lead any culture improvements and uh, and that could that could come down to a whole different uh, number of things uh, trust is sometimes something I sometimes um, uh, see creeping in as well um, where sometimes you might get uh, a business that's uh, that's grown uh, and suddenly the business owner that did everything might have had two or three people might now have um, 15, 20 people um, and uh, perhaps uh, because they're not as close anymore um, there can be issues with trust and creeping there as mm. well I've, I've certainly seen that on a, yeah. a few occasions yeah. um, the uh, the next the next point is about having effective uh, employee feedback now there's a number of different mechanisms to, uh, to gather uh, effective employee feedback um, and once again it very much uh, that can be as simple as uh, just having the door open, having an open door sort of culture um, within a business that can that can work very well. Um, there's a there's a number of uh, free and paid for um, tools that are out there as well. Um, it's certainly paid for tools. I would say that I would always suggest businesses look for something that really benchmarks them against um, other Australian uh, SMEs uh, to make sure they've got uh, the right kind of, uh, right kind of tools. Yeah, and something that's valuable to them as well. 
Um, just to, to wrap up the, uh, the the one other point was about um, having individual accountability and performance measures. And this, once again, is ensuring that each individual employee is actually aligned um, to the business strategy. Uh, and what they're doing basically um, helps them achieve the uh, the results for the business. Um, so there's actually the right kind of performance outcomes that ensure business success. And that goes back to, does your employee know what they're actually doing? Absolutely What right. they're supposed to be doing and what their deliverables and measurables are. And those are such big words. And when you're a small company or a small organization, you hear those words and you might run to the heels. But how are you measuring your performance? You may think that you're profitable. And Paul, you and I have had this discussion. You think you're profitable. But when you take a look at the amount of time and energy you are using in a certain side of the business, for example, in sales, all of a sudden that profitability you perceive to be making is actually not there because there's more time being used than you're costing out. Absolutely right, absolutely right, me. You know, I t- totally agree. And I think it's just uh, it's just a key thing to make sure those conversations taking place as well. Um, so to me, this particular one is, is all about having effective conversations about performance. Beautiful. Well, we're going to head into the news now. So when we come back from the news, we'll talk a little bit about 2019 and what to expect. And you're back with Mira and Paul on the Power Up Show asking you, how can we take your business to the next level? And 2019, we're in February, Paul. It is well upon us. And for many of us, we may not even have planned properly for the year because so much changes so quickly. And as a business owner, we have so little time in our day because we are just trying to get things done. So when you start throwing additional things at us, like, well, social media and what are you doing to, what are you reading today? What are you doing to make yourself better? What activities are you doing to network, for example? It's just, I've got 24 hours in a day and when I get home, my family has this expectation that I'm now going to spend time with them. Mm, yeah, and absolutely. Yeah, there's a, there's an awful lot. There's an awful lot to think about, and uh, I think uh, sometimes people say that uh, you know, in terms of planning for the year, um, it's, it's sometimes good to start that uh, in December, it's December and January. But then again, sometimes you say some business owners get to a point they're so exhausted from uh, from one year, uh, they actually might want a bit of a break if they can. That's exactly right. So, 2019 in February this month in our recording, well, in our show, we really want to be giving business owners a few tips and strategies with some experts to help them with this planning period. And hopefully when they're finished listening, we can all understand the importance of planning and realizing, of course, that 2019 planning should probably be have been done last year already. And we should be looking at 2020 and what is the plan going forward to 2020. And listeners, please, business owners, just take a deep breath. Don't crash your car. Don't fall off your chair. You are not alone. 90% of us, I think, can honestly say that we have barely got our 2019 plans ready, <laughs> let alone 2020. Yeah, look, I think it's fair to say it's never too late to start. Um, there's always a time when it's a case of like, um, you know, might be a little bit behind the eight ball in terms of maybe a bit further ahead than you are, but it's never too late to start. That's right. So next week we've got an amazing um, guest coming in, Leah. She's going to talk about that mental toughness, thinking like a CEO and give us some strategies. I think she's, she was talking to me about a seven-step strategy that you can start to implement almost immediately and start seeing results. So that'll be pretty amazing. But it's a great discussion to have that mental toughness and thinking like a CEO uh, in 
in a few weeks' time, we're going to talk a little bit about SEO and websites. Now, that's just a topic all on its own because mm-hmm. many of us will invest in a website, but what does that mean? Mm-hmm. And then we'll round up the, the month about our digital marketing and our digital activities. So when we come back from the break, Paul, let's talk a little bit about thinking like a CEO, that mental toughness. You're listening to Alive 90.5. This is me and Paul, Power Up. And that was NXS Never Tear Us Apart. And it's hard to believe that that band has been around since 1977 because they're just phenomenal. They're absolutely timeless, mm, don't you think? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, no, timeless music. Once again, this is Mira and Paul with the Power Up Show asking you how can we take your business to the next level. And what we wanted to talk to you now very briefly about is this little buzzword that's going around, this SEO dirty word and what it stands for and what I'm supposed to do. Paul, what are your thoughts around SEO? You're looking at me as if I'm an expert and I'm clearly <laughs> not. That's why we've got an expert coming in uh, in a few weeks to, to talk to us about, about this. Look, I think uh, what, I, what I've learned so far in terms of uh, being in business is I can, you come across people that end up um, spending a lot of money in the right direction um, and certainly it's something that uh, I feel that having an, an expert coming in as we have in a few weeks time um, to talk to us about this further will be really good to insightful to get some information about what people should actually be looking for um, when they uh, choose and um, partner with somebody to help them in that area. That's right and I like to look at your website and SEO as what we call virtual real estate mm. you know just like when you invest in a property mm. you do everything you can to make sure that that property looks good that it's constantly being maintained, that the area around it is working towards the value of the property. And I think as a business owner, again, because we are so busy working in our business and not on our business, we actually forget that just by investing, and I mean, you and I were talking now at the cost of a website. I mean, mm. you can get it dirt cheap for five, six, seven hundred dollars or you can spend a fortune six, seven thousand dollars for a mm. website. Mm. And Business just think, well, I've got the website, I'm done. There's nothing more I need to do. But the reality is there's actually heaps you have to do. It's not like, you know, you buy a piece of property, you don't cut the grass, you don't paint it, uh, the tree falls on top of it, nothing happens. And then the next door neighbor stops cutting his grass and it just becomes a place that you don't want to be. So investing in your website, very, very important. And I don't know about you, but a number of people, they invest in a website, but they don't have the right content. Have you ever gone to a website trying to understand what the person does and there's some blurb about how awesome they are as individuals and you're going, well, what do you actually do? Yeah, look, I think uh, that, that's uh, that, that's something I think you do find sometimes when you, we look at certain websites and it's about trying to work out exactly. Okay, so what's this person actually doing? What do they what do they actually offer? Um, uh, look, sometimes it's good to learn about what people have done. Um, certainly, some of the things on you know, core areas where you know I've heard of, you know, can be be good in terms of content where people working out into having testimonials, have rec- uh, things on there, and uh, if people can talk about other clients they've uh, they've dealt with there, uh, that can be an issue unless there's permission. Um, so um, those are sort of the key things to have on there, but. Uh, but sometimes I think one of the most important things is to actually really find out what people actually do and what value they can add to your particular business. That's right. So in a few weeks' time, we're going to have a SEO and a website uh, expert on the show. So if you have any questions, any concerns, any statements, please email Mia at alive905.com.au or once again, reach out to us on any of our social media pipes we are right there for you and i wanted to go back quickly to the discussion we were going to have about leah who is mm. our guest next week mm. 
and mental toughness, thinking like a CEO, that mm. just excites me. Yeah, well, look, uh, you have met uh, Leah and I haven't. So uh, it's uh, look, I, I just uh, I just think it's uh, looking forward to meeting because what you what you describe is someone that's going to be uh, going to be a great guest to have on the show. I know, and, she's uh, training for the is it the Paris race, the Paris Marathon? Oh wow. I know, don't, don't ask me to run yeah, anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My <laughs> running days are behind me, clearly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, really really looking forward to that. Yeah, and, and that's what one of the things she's going to discuss is that thinking like a CEO. And I think that's what a lot of business owners forget sometimes, that they're a business owner and they get stuck in that title of just being a business owner. And it takes a lot to disrupt your thinking, to go, hang on, I am a CEO. Mm. I am in charge of my future. I am in charge of this business. If I was a CEO of a multinational, what are the steps and the strategies I would be taking today to take my business to the next level? I mean, I mean you know, Harakaj, I like to surprise you and share stories on this. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, and this is something, this is not a client, this is something I've just... Uh, uh, I've, I've observed over a, you know uh, a cafe I visited over a number of times. Some of the uh, have always they seem to employ some absolutely wonderful staff. Um, and uh, what, what I see though is that uh, they've got product, um, but I do see that uh, regularly they're they're turning through a lot of staff, which must be costing that business a lot of money. Uh, I mean, obviously in that kind of uh, uh, that kind of industry, uh, you will find that there is a, a turnover there, but uh, it just seems to be above uh, what I would uh, tend tend to expect of a cafe. So I guess having that business owner really there and uh, really trying to make sure they retain their people um, and not effectively having, you know, uh, what really is money walking out the door with high turnover uh, is very important. That's what I guess just one aspect. So, um, but yeah, looking forward to hear what uh, Leah's views are on that as well. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to the the seven step strategy that she mm. wants to implement because she's going to challenge the two of us to yes, see yes. what happens if we were to implement that strategy. And you know, Paul, you and I are both successful in our own rights, but you can never be in a position where you know it all and every time I speak to our guests and you and I have guests in various other ways too mm. not just on the radio show mm. but whenever we speak to our guests it's just amazing some of the information those little nuggets they impart on us and we go oh my goodness I never ever thought of mm. it mm. and it just mm. takes that business to the next dimension and to a next level that you haven't even thought about Absolutely right, absolutely right. And certainly, uh, you know, to me, I think it's always key to have good people around you. And uh, we're certainly two people that like to continue to learn uh, yeah, and learn from other people. And, uh, and that's uh, one of the benefits of, uh, I guess, a developing network. That's right. Uh, so when we come back, Paul, let's talk a little bit about those digital marketing strategies that businesses need to be looking at in 2019. Absolutely. That's certainly an area where I need to learn more as well. Look forward to uh, talking more about that. Um, you're listening to The Power Up Show on a live 90.5 with Mir and Paul. Def Leopard, pour some sugar on me. I feel, Paul, that we might be giving our age away a little bit here. Mm, yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, taking me, take, taking me back to uh, the late eighties, uh, early nineties, and uh, um, probably even almost taking me back to my first uh, first CD player as well because I'm a late adopter <laughs> to technology. Um, and uh, for our, we might have to introduce to our young, younger listeners in terms of what CD players actually were. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, it's a great expression. Uh, my wife uh, comes out with uh, the video kill the radio style should now be sort of like. Uh, you know, Bluetooth's killed the DVD player or something along those lines. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, show my age indeed. Anyway, I, know, back I showed to my son a cassette tape the other day and he looked at me as if I'd come from a different different country. But anyway, I mean a different <laughs> planet, little country. When we left off before the break, we were talking about what kind of digital strategies business need to be implementing. And it's such an interesting question because there are so many strategies yes. out there. You've got Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, 
I've missed one. I I know that. I don't know what it is, though. There are just so many avenues where we can get our message out. And I sometimes think business owners get caught up doing things. And before you know it, you've gone down that world of Facebook, who's doing what, why are they doing it, um, what did your friend from high school do, oh, so-and-so's just had a baby, and three, four hours have gone, and there's been no value to what you've done on Facebook. Have you ever been caught in that Facebook cycle? Um, oh, absolutely right, absolutely right. I think, uh, and it's interesting, you, you, na- you named several there, I don't think you probably named more than I could, actually, um, <laughs> but that's probably just down to some of my own, my own failures. Later, Doctor, own, I just, believe you Yeah, like, I am later, Doctor, <laughs> we would have worked that out from CD flowers, haven't we? Um, so, uh, yeah, look, I think there are, obviously, there is a whole different number of things that uh, are out there to consider in terms of um, you know, what digital marketing strategies can work. Which, once again, please, while we've got a guest that's coming on to help oh, us gosh, educate yeah. us all on that, because yeah. uh, it's certainly an area where I could always uh, do with learning more, and uh, and hopefully, someone once again that can steer us uh, and our listeners in the right direction. And how to compliment them? Because I know I've tried Facebook, and I say try because I've probably given it half a good attempt of trying to figure out how best to do my Facebook strategy. But I find that I get caught up in the wrong things Mm. and I get caught up in the wrong message and Mm. I get caught up with what my friends from school were doing. And, you know, I always say, do you want to feel really bad about yourself? Spend a couple of hours on Facebook and see how bad your life is. (laughs) Well, there is that. Yeah, I mean, I I certainly certainly feel that... um, I find that uh, I've used Facebook less for, for business. I've concentrated on using LinkedIn more for business, and uh, that's just a personal preference. I'm probably just down to in terms of the type of business that, that I have myself anyway. Um, but LinkedIn itself, um, it's uh, it's something which is uh, you know a real uh, a real big uh, big beast in itself in terms of um, you know there are obviously good people out there that can teach you how to use LinkedIn. Mm. Uh, I first had um, some some help with that uh, probably around uh, trying to think now probably around about. Six Six, seven years ago uh, where I attended a session which was trying to help me about how to use uh, LinkedIn at that I'm time so was glad a... to mention that you've adopted everything you've learned six or seven years ago <laughs> well um, the thing is from, from that for that time LinkedIn's changed and I guess well, the way I use LinkedIn now is different mm. to what I would have done a few years ago because now I'm using LinkedIn in terms of how I can you know how it works in terms of um, for myself actually as a, as a business owner as opposed to uh, in the past it would have been actually well okay as an employee of a business and, and how can I actually help you know my market myself um, as a potential employee to, to new people when it comes for, for looking to new roles. So so my strategy on LinkedIn is, is needed to adapt from uh, what I learned several years ago. Um, and, uh, you know, we both uh, were at a, uh, a, an event uh, a few months ago um, to learn more about uh, LinkedIn. And uh, That's right. And um, I must be honest that LinkedIn is something I can now talk about with a significant amount of confidence. And I've invested a fortune in learning LinkedIn because it's become really clear and apparent that finding my target market if I'm going to spend time on social media it appears that LinkedIn is actually the right place for me because it's professional people that are on there the message is what they want to hear and I've actually realized that I have a number so when my views go past three and a half thousand views per post over a five-day period I get business coming to me people Mm. are reaching out to me Mm. going hey let's talk what can we do how can you help us And that is just understanding how to use LinkedIn effectively. In other words, taking a social media or a digital strategy and how do we use it effectively and correctly instead of just spamming and selling Mm. and, Mm. you know, just throwing mud against the wall and seeing what's going to stick. 
Mm, no, absolutely right. And look, I think uh, look, I admire what you've done. I think when we first uh, uh, introduced to each other, I think uh, it's fair to say that probably you were behind <laughs> me on LinkedIn, but you've gone leaps and bounds ahead of me on LinkedIn, and uh, and uh, you know uh, certainly learn enjoy learning a little bit more about uh, your success on, on LinkedIn in terms of what you do there. I'm learning from you now very much on LinkedIn. <laughs> yeah. now, well, clearly. look, in in your defence, and I can't believe I'm saying this. So if we can stop recording immediately, so there's no record of this conversation. <laughs> when I first looked at LinkedIn, I just got so overwhelmed because I was. Mm trying to figure out what to do with Facebook. Mm. I was working on Instagram. I was trying to figure out how to get a hundred and how many characters mm. in Twitter. Mm. Um, and my head was just all over the place. So when I looked at LinkedIn, I went, yep, we'll just park it in the too hard basket for now mm. and we'll leave it there. But mm. when I started to unscrew it, so to speak, and just unlock all the little nuances of LinkedIn, it has become probably one of my better marketing strategies, one of my better digital um, avenues that I'm approaching. And quite frankly, I believe that all business owners, if you're listening right now, get onto your LinkedIn profile, you really need to be building that profile. What is the information that's out there? And funnily enough, today uh, at a meeting I was at this morning, I did a presentation around LinkedIn. And I showed people within the organization where to find their target market. And I want to tell you, Paul, I was staring at there must have been 15 people sitting around the table, eyes wide, mouths open with, a, oh, my goodness, I can't believe that my target audience is sitting on my phone right now. It never, ever occurred to me that it was so easy to find them. Mm, that's uh, that's astonishing, absolutely astonishing, and uh, it just goes to show in terms of um, you know what, uh, what what it can do as a tool. Uh, and of course, it's a tool that's available to uh, to everybody. It's a it's a it's a free tool. There is a paid right. version as well, mm. but uh, there is an initial free tool. I, I certainly uh, I'm only on the the free version. I'm on the free version, yeah. and it's you know it's paying back in leaps and bounds. And that's very interesting to hear, isn't it? Because sometimes these are all overlooked in terms of okay, so get the kind of. Um, yeah, what I might call um, market penetration that you're getting from using LinkedIn at the moment, you might ultimately assume, and I might have assumed um, if I didn't know you, um, that you were a premium premium member. And the fact is, you're you're getting that from the uh, from the free version of LinkedIn, Correct. which is which is fantastic. But uh, I do realise you invested money and learned about LinkedIn in in other ways. Um, but it's well, still it's getting to, to the point on. that I, I I think I might have to be investing in the premium for. Other reasons, sure. not because mm. of the basic functionality of connecting with people and networking with people, mm. but there's other functionalities that are not available at a free level. And while I can manually implement those strategies, it just takes so much time, whereas LinkedIn have certain uh, aspects to it in the paid version that will save you all of that time. So I've got a question for you actually on LinkedIn there, Mia, which I'm going to throw at you now. Um, so don't look too horrified, please. Um, so um, would you say that uh, it's important before somebody signs up for the premium version of LinkedIn, is there other ways they should really look about learning more about what LinkedIn could do? Because I could see one of the dangers I was going to fall into a few, um, uh, a few months ago when somebody said to me, um, that I should uh, sign up for, for premium was that, yeah, am I actually going to be able to use it effectively? So, I mean, my recommendation is if you are not a continuous user of LinkedIn, if you're not regular on it, and give yourself three months because all strategies, whether it's a digital strategy, mm. a marketing strategy, a sales strategy, business strategy, HR strategy, whatever it is, you've got to give yourself three months to mm. see how it goes. Mm. If after three months you are consistently and continuously providing value to your connections and you are responding and reacting to what's on LinkedIn, well, by all means, go ahead because you're getting value out of it and why wouldn't you want to pay? Okay, for me, I just haven't gotten around to it. I, I don't see at this point the value, but as I said, I'm getting really close to saying I need to invest in LinkedIn. Uh, but there's many individuals out there. There's many CEOs. There's there's 
big business owners out there who have paid for the premium and do nothing. Mm. There's no mm. activity. Mm. They're not providing any value. And I just think to myself, well, you know, give to charity. At least mm. you can get, get a deduction, <laughs> a tax, a tax deduction, deduction right. <laughs> as opposed to, to paying for something that you're actually not using. And the mm. platform is such an effective platform mm. when mm. done correctly. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, as with all digital um, strategies or, or digital platforms, you get those people who are just going to spam the hell out of mm. you and you're going to go, oh my goodness, who are you and you know unlike or unfriend or unconnect or (laughs) whatever the terminology is just get rid of them and carry on doing what it is you need to do no, absolutely. Look, that's really good, uh, really, really good advice. And uh, say, uh, sorry to throw that one at you there, but it's something that came to mind. I thought it would be something that uh, we good to share with our listeners as well. Yeah, and understanding that, you know, we spoke about websites earlier and you were sp- speaking about your web- website and, and you made the comment, yeah, I've never seen your website. And well, guess what? My website's not up and running. I have this analysis by paralysis. I don't have the right words yet. And I have access to so many copywriters. I just haven't done it. But what I found is that with the information and content that I'm putting out on LinkedIn, right now the website can actually just be parked. I know mm. it's probably just draining my income by having the website sitting in the background, <laughs> which is a problem. But right now the energy that I'm putting into LinkedIn, because I'm seeing that almost immediate return on mm. my time investment, mm because people are engaging with me and people are approaching me and they're coming to me and I almost feel like the value I'm getting from that LinkedIn profile is more value at this point than the website mm, would be. Mm, so mm. I'm changed the way I'm thinking and I'm investing time where I'm seeing a return immediately mm. as opposed to, and this is the thing with websites, it takes time to grow. And if you've got a website, make sure you're doing it properly. Mm. If you don't have a website like myself who just hasn't got it up and running yet, what other forms of, what other platforms should I say, have you got out there where you're getting the content out to people? And again, I pay nothing for LinkedIn. It's one hour of my time a day in the morning where I focus on connecting, building uh, relationships, making sure that people know, like, and trust me. Mm-hmm. And that costs me nothing. So there is nothing stopping a small business owner today from getting on LinkedIn and starting to build those connections in the right way and providing content immediately. It costs you nothing other than time. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to go down a, a track of playing on Facebook or Instagram or whatever the case is, and let's be honest, Paul, we all do it, right? We all mm-hmm. sit on Facebook to, to scroll down and our thumbs are stopping or starting or whatever you call it. Why not use that time a little bit more productively? You're listening to Alive 90.5. This is the Power Up Show with Mia and Paul. We're back soon. And we are coming to the end of our show, and it has been a fantastic show as always. Um, I love getting some input and insight from you, Paul. But before we end off, just want to get what are some takeaways, should we say, for small business owners? Well, first of all, I would say it's, not like, it's hardly me that's the expert, so <laughs> <laughs> give yourself some credit as well, please, Mia. Um, yeah, in terms of some of the, the key, key takeaways we've, we've talked about, I think one of the things that, that comes across is that, uh, and thinking about the last sec- few segments we've had there in terms of, um, you know, one side doesn't fit all, and there isn't necessarily an expert with small business that's going to be able to cover everything for you. So it's important to really seek out um, different people that can help you for a different, uh, you know, different areas um, and get the experts, the right kind of experts, so it's in at the right time um, and also make sure that you're in a situation whereby you know you target in terms of uh, what are your priorities uh, in terms of um, if you've got to spend money on the business uh, make sure you spend it in the right in the right kind of areas and I think things to note now is that we have given business owners some strategies that they can implement immediately in other words if we go back
back to this high performance culture and yes. let's be honest if you have a high performance culture within your organization the knock-on effect is amazing you get more productivity out of your staff if you're getting more productivity the profitability is going through the roof now all of a sudden you're looking at potentially a much more profitable entity because staff are more engaged so some of the tools that we have given to business owners is having a discussion with your employees and finding out what they are doing, what they were supposed to be doing, and what they want to be doing. Mm, and the other thing that adds to that as well is about uh, you know what they're supposed to be doing, and what they're supposed to be doing should be linked to the very much to the strategy of that particular business, and making sure that alignment alignment is actually there. And you're absolutely right. Um, that's a way of getting by getting individual performance and getting uh, higher individual performance is a way of getting overall higher business performance, uh, and that in turn turns to profit. And uh, that's what it's all about. And Miranda, at the beginning of the show, she asked the question, how do you find that work-life balance? And it's very important that when you're discussing the strategy to, to become a high-performance company, to adopt that culture of high-performance is to ensure that your employees have that work-life balance. Mm. Because once you provide an employee with a work-life balance, they are more engaged and more they buy into the culture more because you understand the importance of their family. Yep. They therefore see you as part of their family and mm. they see the importance of giving you the very best that they have to offer too and they come to work more engaged. You don't get these sick days because I've got to go to the Easter Hat Parade so I'll quickly phone in. <coughs> yep, <coughs> Not feeling absolutely. very well. Yeah. yeah, no, absolutely right. I think uh, look, you, you make the right kind of connections there. Um, very much around um, you know looking after people um, pushes to making sure they're the right the right cultures in place um, and a bit more discretionary effort. And the other thing, uh, the only thing I'd add to that really is that uh, you know, the other one of the key things about having um, you know, the right kind of culture and uh, good levels of employee engagement is uh, is about making it that also helps reduce turnover as well. Uh, turnover can be extremely costly mm. uh, for businesses. I mean, even the most conservative research that uh, that I come across talks about the cost of turnover being one times the annual salary. Uh, and people from challenge people from challenge mm. me on that. And, and I challenge you, that. but I go, it's more than that. Yeah, correct. That's right. Exactly right. If you actually look at some research, we'll actually even say it's two and a half times mm. annual salary. I would buy into that um, one, yeah. So, I mean, I tend to look in terms of, I, I tend to sort of like talk conservatively to her because otherwise um, you start to, people think, start to dis- be, treat you, disbelieve you when you mm-hmm. say it's one times annual salary. And if it does, does depend very much on the role and the, and the role person has a business, but turnover is always costly and avoiding that is key. So, in order, if you want to reach out to us and ask us some questions, look, we are are on social media, Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter. Well, no, not, I'm, not, I'm, not on, I'm not on Twitter. Are you on Twitter? No, I'm, no. Not, I'm, I'm not on Twitter. I'm barely on Facebook. Actually, scrap all of that. If you want to reach out to us, LinkedIn is the place to be. We are both regularly on LinkedIn. We both have LinkedIn strategies. Reach out to us on LinkedIn. Otherwise, you can email us your questions at any time at Mia, M-I-A, at alive905.com.au. Uh, we're wrapping up the show next week. we got Leah. I'm so excited to have her on board. 